welcome to the Church of Roller Coasters. And Satan! I thought this was more of a roller coaster club? Yes. We fellowship about our favorite rides. Then we pray to Satan! You kind of lost me on the whole Satan part. We like to thank our unmerciful father for our favorite rides. Okay. Thank you, Daddy, for Vacoma Boomerangs. Nah, man, I'm not really about this. And thank you, Daddy, for the boss at Six Flags St. Louis. Yeah, uh, I think I gotta go. Quiet, you. And especially, thank you, Daddy, for Rob Alvey. Man, fuck you, fuck Satan, and fuck Rob Alvey. I'm out. Wait, don't you want some pizza? Welcome to the worst roller coaster podcast on the internet. Now, let's join Ben and Zach as they tell you why your favorite coaster sucks. Hey, I'm Zach, and I'm comprised of 96% less gravy than the average ace member. Hey, I'm Ben, and once I popped a boner riding T2. Oof. Well, uh, what are you drinking on tonight? So today I'm actually drinking a mystery unlabeled um, 750 milliliter I believe it's a dark ale and I honestly don't know what the brewery is I just got it from a friend homebrew it's sketchy homebrew mystery beer that's exciting (laughs) we'll find out at the end of it (laughs) the last ever episode no I'm just kidding I meant more like if I'm going to shit my brains out or not but yeah Uh, I guess that depends on how old and warm it is I've got a Labatt Blue. Interesting. It's basically like a Labatt Blue is like a, it always reminds me of like a Miller. It's not bad. It was cheap. You know, got two call, t- got two tall cans. That's an adult Dr. Seuss rhyme right there. So let's get to the news. Clementon Park in New Jersey is closed. Probably for good. I've only been there once. Um, I guess I'm not surprised. It was kind of a shithole. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a bummer, but I mean, I remember they got an SNS Woody, right? Yeah, yeah, and it was not good. It will it was one of those rides that they had to add um I think they added four trim brakes to the first drop to slow it down because it was so rough. Oh man. But yeah, it was the worst of the SNSs though. How did it compare to Wildcat or whatever the name of that ride was? So it was different in that it had less bunny hills, but it had a weird upwards helix, which actually was pretty fun. But because it was SNS, it was um, trapezoidal turns and um, weirdly banked. So it just really threw you around. The car was would shuffle side to side in the track. You could kind of hear it. Um, not surprised it didn't last long. I'm actually surprised it was running up until like this current year because this was 10 years ago and it was shitty. Well, I never made it there, but, uh, you know, after your glowing review, <laughs> seems like I wasn't really missing too much. Not at all. All right. So um, a completely VR anime theme park is opening in Japan. Now, I haven't really read a whole bunch about it, but I do you want to know if they're going to have like a hentai area or like a um, hentai and also like furry hentai. So if you wanted to, um, you know, ride like a 30 foot dragon 
in uh in, in many many ways you want to take that this would probably be the park you go to <laughs> yeah dude it, it'd be like one of those like um one of those indoor vr experiences but it's got like a glory hole <laughs> <laughs> and uh like water effects for the money shot <laughs> Choose your experience. (laughs) Gross. So, um, riders were evacuated from the Disney monorail near Epcot after it stalled. Boy, their marketing for Skyliner is getting pretty intense. (laughs) Right? They're just like, hey, you uh, know we just built another transportation thing, right? You know, right? <laughs> I think apparently that monorail really needs like some updating. It's what, like 50 years old? Yeah, nearly. Well, I don't know if they built it there when it first opened, but yeah, like got to be at least 40. I don't really know. We're not a Disney podcast. This is not your favorite mountain sucks. Is there a chance the track could bend? Not on your life, my Hindu friend. <laughs> That's the only thing I think of when I think of monorails. Right? Monorail. We have one in Seattle. It's weird. Like a downtown monorail connects you from downtown to the Space Needle. I don't really understand it. That is weird, man. It's like you're in a, it's like, it feels like you're in like a 70s movie because everything is super dated. So not as much like an episode of Frasier? No. <laughs> so Roadrunner Railway, holy shit, that's hard to say, at Six Flags Great Adventure is being removed for the New Jersey Devil Coaster coming next year. Now, I am pretty sure there is at least one enthusiast out there crying. There's probably a couple. I mean, what I don't understand is, are these, was that ride even near where they're going to build it? Because I know, like, are they just reusing the station? Because that'd be kind of, this seems like a dumb idea. I never understood reusing stations. It can't save you that much money. Can it? No, that was a kiddie coaster, so they're not going to be reusing that station. But I think it was in that area that they're building the um, the Jersey Devil on. Ah, okay. That's a weird. It's it's interesting how that's going to be the biggest, like one of the big, one of the biggest attractions next year is that single rail coaster. Well, it's because like everybody's losing their damn minds over RMCs, and I'm not saying they're not good. They're really great rides, but there's a huge demand for them now by the public and enthusiasts. So it's like, plus those single rail ones have got to be considerably cheaper than building like a huge B&M or Intamin. Mm-hmm. Just because the, you know, less amount of actual material involved. So, uh... Disneyland is rolling out a bunch of new plant-based menu items in 2020. Now, I love putting meat in my body, so uh, no care on my part, but I'm sure, Zach, you're good about that. Yeah, that is two thumbs up from you, vegan boy over here. I am excited for now, like, whenever I do end up going back to Disneyland, I have no immediate plans to, but, like, eventually... And that I will be able to have some options available. And of course, if it's Disney stuff, then it'll be probably hopefully pretty good. It's kind of funny that they're only doing this at Disneyland and not uh, Disney World. Because uh, if you've ever been to both parks and you look at the clientele of both parks, um, yeah, it's kind of 
exactly all you need to really know. Yeah, like there's only a few like ECVs in Disneyland. Whereas if you did like a if you did like a drinking game of ECVs at Disney World, you'd be drunk before you even made it to like the castle. Oh yeah. The average guest size of Orlando probably is like at least 20% larger than California. It might be like a little bit lower for average, but I don't know. You might be right because I think there's probably more visitors at Disney World. Mm -hmm. I know I heard in a video that apparently the queue for Slinky Dog Dash is actually big enough to accommodate ECVs. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? I was like, wow, it must be like uh, like RCT queues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shit. All right. So um, speaking of Orlando, two uh, different Orlando firms are teaming up to work on and create the first amusement park in the Dominican Republic. Um, I don't know anything about their government or their political structure there. So, I mean, it's cool that they're building a a park over there, though. Yeah, it's like, yeah, neat. It was newsworthy. I threw it in there. (laughs) I don't even think there's many coasters in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, it'll probably be like the first. They might have have that... uh... One of those mountain coasters for um, like cruise ship excur- excursions. Oh yeah! So that'll be. You know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, who knows? So Kennywood has launched its own beer. I I guess that's pretty cool because I mean because it's not like there are many people out there brewing their own beer or anything nowadays. So that's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's pretty cool that like parks are embracing certain trends like that. Because, I don't know, beer's cool. I wish uh, states that have recreational legal marijuana would do their own, like, home grow shit. Can you imagine if they sold weed at parks? That would be amazing. I want that Six Flags Discovery Kingdom Kush. Disneyland Dank. Medusa Lemon Haze. SFOG Kush. Can't think of any others. That's all right. That was good. That was a good run. <laughs> so, um, apparently due to a technical glitch... Holiday World was only charging $10 a ticket last weekend. And uh, because they're better people than all of us, they donated it to charity. Wait, so they only charged 10 but they donated that $10 to a charity? Was it supposed to be a free event? No, like they were supposed to be charging full um, price, but there was a glitch in their system. Oh, interesting. I mean, they might have donated more than just what the tickets were. I don't know. I didn't read the whole thing. I read the headline. Am I supposed to actually read this shit? No, I honestly, that was funny. I was like, I couldn't open the article, so I couldn't read it. But good on them. Good on them. Good on Holiday World. They seem to be like the, you know, the do-good park that does everything right. Hippie protesters can keep their drum circles going outside of Six Flags Discovery Kingdom. Yeah, all right, PETA. Great. Wonderful. You're just making parents have awkward conversations with kids. What you have to like the when the because it's six flags when those entrance lines get super backed up. You're just kind of standing like awkwardly in the middle of a drum circle. Congratulations, PETA. You've just pissed everybody off. That's it. Getting like passive aggressive mean mugs about not donating money. Come on. Free these dolphins. I don't know what animals they have over there. Um Oh, some big news came out this week. 
Kings Island announced that Vortex will be closing forever on October 27th. Uh, I think it's going to be turned into a million Pepsi cans that are full of shards. Good on them. I agree. I was actually kind of, I was actually kind of uh, surprised about this because I know Vortex was a favorite ride and it's a mega arrow looper, but it seems like Kings Island likes to hold on to that shit. So I'm surprised that they so quickly let it go without any rumors leading up to it. It just makes me think about all the other arrows at Cedar Fair Park set. Maybe they're on a they're going to be on a killing spree from now on. Well, it's interesting because they said it reached the end of its service life, um, but also like there was a tweet that they sent out exactly one year ago to the day from the date of uh, when they announced that it was closing. That like they were like vortex. The rumors of its demise have been greatly exaggerated. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, and of course, everyone was suddenly like, "That's my favorite ride." <laughs> I mean, I will say, out of all the Aero Mega Loopers, I think that one was probably a favorite for a lot of people. I mean, I really like the ride. A lot of my friends like the ride. I'm probably gonna try to go ride it before it closes down even if I got to make a huge detour to do it. Because eventually there's going to be no arrows left. Magnum will be torn down. Yeah, it'll happen eventually. I mean, those rides, I don't think any of the arrow coasters were actually built with like longevity in mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, well, they say service life. So I wonder if they actually count how many circuits, you know, the trains go around. Well, it might be that, but also factored with the, with, you know, arrow has been out of business for like, over a decade now almost two decades like those parts have got to be harder and harder to replace you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i can understand like cedar fair has come in and given them like this really awesome coaster lineup you know what i mean whereas like when i went there in 2005 the coaster lineup was like kind of shit yeah <laughs> like son of Beast and uh Top Gun at the time were the ones I like remembered liking. There was Invertigo, which is kind of fun. Um, Vortex, Beast, Boring, uh, Adventure Express, that's kind of fun. Um, Italian Job. When it had all the theming, it was fun. Right, right. Yeah, like I think that part reminds me. Well, it's it's kind of interesting how the Paramount Parks for a while seemed to be just kind of dead parks. No, no real additions, no real coaster lineup, not a lot of public interest. And then they built, you know, Carowinds now has exploded with their coaster lineup and now it's super popular. Same for Kings Island. Kings Island is pretty much, I wouldn't, well, I wouldn't say it's neck and neck with Cedar point, but it's pretty close compared to like other parks out there. And then um, California's Great America, that park's starting to thrive again. So it's kind of interesting how that's starting to flip. Yeah, well, Cedar Fair probably put together like a good long-term strategy for all of their parks at a certain point. Although some of them are really getting shit on. Well, King's Dominion apparently isn't doing that great. So it had that, you know, it had that little blip when they built Intimidator and um, they moved Dominator. But 
I mean, really what's been going on. I don't think really, or I don't think there's been a whole lot going on at that park. And it doesn't seem to be as popular as it used to be with, within like the enthusiast groups. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is they stopped really doing a whole lot of like investments in there. And Bush Gardens is only what, like an hour away from there. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So like you got to hit a different niche because Bush Gardens already has like really good theming and they really got in on the coaster thing too. So like, I feel like Kings Dominion, they'd have to like build like more extreme coasters or something. Yeah. And it's funny because, um, so did you ever hear, like, have you ever heard the rumors about how Intimidator will have a walk-on line? Oh, like the line will be a walk-on even when the park is busy because people don't want to ride it. Really? Yeah. So I guess Intimidator's kind of known as a super intense and not a very comfortable coaster. So it's not very popular from, I've heard from a lot of people that even on on a Saturday, you can go in there and the rides, maybe a five minute wait. Dang. Whereas rebel yell or volcano when it was open, would have a two hour line. Well, yeah, now volcano has gone from there too. So I think like they need to either build more extreme or more unique roller coasters. Because now Bush Gardens has a bunch of coasters too, and that's like an hour away. Yeah, I think that'd be their best strategy. Or it'll, or, or it'll probably end up like a, like Valley Fair or Dorney or Michigan's Adventure, to where those parks kind of remain in that niche, uh, like day trip, half day trip market, and then Bush Gardens would be more of the the destination all day weekend kind of park. Yeah. Yeah. They need to do something to like really draw people. I got to get back out there though. Cause twisted timbers looks really good. Yeah. That seems to be one of like, um, seems to be one of the more unique RMCs and it's the only RMC. I, I guess you could, um, maybe argue untamed <laughs> with untamed, but, um, what's cool about twisted, twisted timbers is that it does, three consecutive bunny hills and they're very high speed. So I think that actually looks like one of the best um, RMC kind of layouts compared to everything else they've been doing. Yeah. It looks really good. Cause it's got those bunny hills and some of them have like some of that banking. So, you know, they got like sideways airtime and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll see some more RMC conversions. Cause I think some of those like older, wooden coasters in the cedar fair chain could really you know think about it like well i don't know if valley fair has an older wooden coaster that would qualify but like worlds of fun they could do timber timber wolf and michigan's adventure they could probably do uh well people are gonna hate me for it but shivering timbers i think wolverine wildcat would be a pretty good rmc conversion because that one's just uh that one's like a double out and back so they could do some uh they could do some interesting things Whereas if they RMC Timbers, it actually, it probably would be a really awesome ride, but because it's so narrow, it would, basically, it would just be, you know, consecutive bunny hills, which I mean is awesome, but. Yeah, but think about what RMC would do. It would be like those sideways ones and stuff. It would be barrel roll, uh, hop, barrel roll, hop, barrel roll, hop, wave turn, barrel roll, hop, all the way back to the station. I feel like it would do like a dip before the big drop. And it'd be almost 200 feet. And then 
it would do like one giant bunny hill with no banking or anything. Then it would do one bunny hill where it like banks super steep to like the right or left. Right. And then it would do, yeah, like a zero G stall or like a barrel roll. Then it would do like one of those outwardly banked turns at the far end. And then, you know, it would just do a bunch of like little dips and banks and uh, barrel rolls on the way back. I think it'd be dope. Yeah. But anyway, Vortex, uh, whatever, was never really a fan of it. I wrote it, got the credit. Good enough. It looked a lot better than it was. It was a really weird looking ride. Well, the color scheme was pretty bizarre. I also thought that the uh, the Batwing on that ride looked way too small for what the train can do. I mean, that was a pretty brutal element. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's the problem with like arrows, I think, is like <laughs> they weren't designed well. Yeah. They didn't have the technology, the track bending technology to pull off a half corkscrew. Right. Yeah. So like, I mean, think about it. Yeah. Ron Toomer was bending fucking wire hangers. He's <laughs> like, yep, that's right. As they're like doing the bending on the steel. I need to look this up. So um, speaking of half corkscrews on arrows, Ninja, that was an arrow, right? I just want to double check that. Which one? Ninja at St. Louis. I think that started as an arrow, and then it was a Vacoma. No, it's a Vacoma that has arrow trains. Yep, that's what it is. But it was built by it was built by Aerodynamics, so that was a. That's what I was thinking. Okay, so yeah, I was. Uh, I, that's what I. Yeah. But yeah, that coaster has that uh, has a half corkscrew um, after that second loop, and it's super awkward. I rode that in August, and it actually was not that bad. Oh yeah, it's definitely not a rough. It's not that rough of a ride. I actually really like it. I thought I really like. I really enjoy that last helix, where it's low to the ground. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it wasn't really particularly rough, and the forces and the inversions were pretty good. So. I wouldn't say it was anywhere near like my favorite ride, but it really wasn't bad. Well, that one's probably gonna, that one's probably going to uh, go next, or at least pretty soon. St. Louis isn't going to fuck with shit, I don't think. I guess it depends how well that ride is maintained. Well, I mean, like Vacoma's not out of business. I think the Arrows have a problem because they're out of business and they're having a harder time replacing the parts. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And yeah, I agree. Magnum, Gemini, Corkscrew... Those are all going to, although I would totally hope that Cedar Point would pull in Alton Towers and leave the actual corkscrews like in place. Oh yeah, that'd be kind of interesting. I think it would be great because it would still be like picturesque and really cool. Yeah. It'd be like a free, a free way for them to keep some awesome theming. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think Old Arrows, what, Demon? Viper at Magic Mountain, probably all the suspended ones, they're all going to reach the end of their service life. And I feel like it's all coming in quicker now because, yeah, Arrow closed up shop in, what, like 2002? And it's 2019, so, like, how much can they really do to keep those rides holding on? You know what I mean? RMC them. (laughs) They could RMC the supports. I mean, they could do something, I imagine. 
you unbolt the track and you have a, you know, a perfectly good anchor for more track. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure Morgan could retrofit some uh, old aero track. Well, Kings Island is not going to pay for that and have like a SBNO coaster standing around. You know, Cedar Fair is not playing with that. Volcano, gone. Vortex, gone. Giaga Lake, fucking gone. Yeah, yeah. All right. Wow, the news took forever. We were really cranking through some some shit. All right, it's time for a fun segment. You know it, I know it. It's the killer coaster of the week. So this week's killer coaster, Superman the Ride at Six Flags, New England. I have only ridden this ride one time, but it was really awesome. Yeah, this is still, this has been in my top five coasters since probably, what was that, 2001? The first time I rode it, even through all of its changes. Uh, When was the last time you rode this ride? It was, shit, it's been a while, uh, 2012. I think at the time it was as um, it was as Bizarro, so it was purple and it had the the sound effects and the music that didn't work. Oh, fun! I already drank the whole beer. I, it's this is just the immediate beer buzz talking. <laughs> so, I only rode Superman the one time, two thousand eight. Went there, side tripped off of a different trip just to ride that ride. Went in, went right for it, got on it in an hour or whatever, and the park closed, so we didn't get on anything else. But it was totally worth it because that ride is phenomenal. Was it Bizarro then? No, it was still Superman Ride of Steel. Oh, okay, so it had those... At that time, it probably had those really awful... Uh, those side restraints from the T-Bar... Remember those? They would like dig, they like dig into the side of your leg. Yeah, I do remember those. That was on um, the Six Flags America one when I wrote it, but I don't remember it being on the Darien Lake one. So I and that was the same year I rode uh, the one at New England. So I want to say probably not, but I don't know for sure. But that ride is awesome, and I want to ride it again. It's time for the Disney Minute. The Disney Minute. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. We're going to go get our tickets and head to Disneyland. We're back at the happiest place on Earth. Disneyland. Welcome, everyone. I'm here today at Disneyland. Today we are going to talk about things we wish we'd known before we went to Disney World. Disneyland is dedicated to the ideals, the dreams, and the hard facts that have created America. With the hope that it will be a source of joy and inspiration to all the world. Thank you. There's a new $600 pair of ears available designed by Heidi Klum. Disney is officially testing drones outside of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Ben, you called it an episode one callback. Cue spooky Alex Jones music. <laughs> the Disney Minute. <laughs> um, listener questions. 
Again, didn't get anything. Doesn't mean there's not questions. So here we go. Ben, if you got an all-expenses-paid trip to any single park anywhere in the world, what park would you go to? I would want to go to that one park that's in um, it's in Africa where they have where there's that Giovanola uh, invert, like Gold Reef City, I think. Really, like mainly just for that? Yeah, yeah, Gold Reef City. Yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna hit the RC to be on this one. So, yep. Anaconda at Gold Reef City, it's a Giovanola Intamin, or it's a Giovanola Invert, and it looks pretty cool. Let's see, 55.9 miles per hour, 111 feet tall, five inversions, three and a half Gs. It's looking like it's kind of Giovanola doing Batman the Ride. Yeah, it's, it's like part Batman the Ride and also part SLC. In a way. Okay, yeah, it looks a little different. But that entire park, though, um, just looks pretty crazy because it's also where Tower of Terror is. That um, the ride they converted an old mineshaft tower thing into a roller coaster. I'm looking at this now. It apparently pulls the highest amount of G-force of every of any roller coaster. What the hell? There's not even a manufacturer listed, dude. No, that shit's like homemade. So you would be comfortable with riding that then? Well, let's see. It's been open since it's been open since 2001, and no one's died on it yet. So I I, I trust it. Yeah, 6.3 positive Gs. Oh man, I don't know, dude. Because the thing is, I don't know what the safety code is like in some places. It it it's funny because it was built in two thousand and one, but if you look at the track, it looks like the track is made with the same material as the tower. Yeah, it looks like a messed up ride. Yeah, it does, dude. Fuck six G's. Oof. I don't know, man. Oh, but Giovanola Giovanola was a subcontractor. Interesting. And it looks like it goes forty nine feet underground. Which is actually pretty. Uh, that's pretty substantial. That's probably more than uh, than what a Bolivian does. Man, that sounds wild. So it would mainly be to ride those two rides. Yeah, I think those two are like the most unique rides that are very far away that I don't see myself ever paying the money to go ride. For sure. Well, that's an interesting pick, man. Good, good pick. Very obscure, but good good pick because those rides do look very unique and interesting, and uh, t- to be honest, pretty terrifying. That uh, the mine one. What about you? I would say for me, it would be probably um, Tokyo Disney Sea. Yeah, that'd be a good one to go to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if any of the coasters there are like super great but like the park itself just looks really great you know i really enjoy disneyland and i think that place might give disneyland a run for its money oh yeah and from everything that is usually said about that park is you know a lot of people do say that is one of their favorites well it looks phenomenal and yeah i've heard from several sources that in places that it's a really great park, so I'd say that's probably my pick if I could 
choose just one. I mean, I definitely thought about like Europa Park, but I think really, I'd uh, really would just if I if it was like everything's paid, you just pick the place. That would be where I where I'd want to go. And in Japan, you could also do a bunch of. Um, I mean, I feel like you could probably spend a month doing Japanese parks. Yeah, well, yeah, there's so many there. I definitely want to go ride Ijinaika and Hakuge and Steel Dragon. Hakuge. Yeah, that ride looks actually really awesome. Oh, yeah, definitely. On to our main topic. Old B&Ms versus new B&Ms. Now, uh, before we really delve into this, let's make a guideline for... Let's set a line in the stand of a date where we can say old is before this and new is after that. I would want to say maybe like 2008 because that's when they um, premiered those longer hyper trains. And with those, the elements had to be like more curved because they were so long, you know, they couldn't really have that same thing. So I feel like that just started to creep its way into all of their designs. But what do you think? Um, I was thinking it was more like um, between Silver Bullet and um, Hydra. So like 2004, 2005. Because Hydra, although, you know, I'd, I definitely think it was a good ride. Hydra was like the first roller coaster where they took, B&M took everything that made B&M coasters fun and unique. And they smoothed it all out. It was like they were in no limits and they just hit heartline and smooth and just kept doing it over and over and over and over again. Um, and it seemed like Hydro was kind of the first of the trend, like the first one that kind of set that new style of coaster. Um, but I also do agree with when they introduced those new longer trains that the hypers really took a completely different spin for a while. And for a while I was kind of getting a little disappointed because I, I wasn't a fan of those big trains. I mean, like in Trimidator at, Ca- at Carowinds wasn't very special. I didn't really care for behemoth and I didn't really care for diamondback. However, Leviathan, Goliath at Laurent, Mako, those are some of my favorite B&M hypers. Well, quote-unquote hypers. All right. So then if we average out pretty much like what the dates were saying, we can place it at 2006. Sound good? But interestingly, it's also the year they built uh, Tatsu. Yeah, that's right. And Tatsu's pretty good. Yeah, Tatsu's great. And 06 is when, yeah, so 06 was actually the year that they built uh, Goliath at Laronde and Goliath at Six Flags Over Georgia. So maybe 2007, because Tatsu is like very forceful, and uh, Goliath at Laronde is really good too. Yeah, yeah. I'm pulling up uh, the list of their installations on our CDB. Yeah, I was do- I was doing the same thing. It's funny. I, it's actually interesting how there's 18 different uh, 18 hyper coasters. It's a cool number. Okay, so. 2007 Hollywood Dream haven't been on it. Let's see, I've been on Griffin, 
Uh, yeah, I've been on Griffin. Griffin was good. I honestly don't know if Sheikra was, was better or not. They're kind of, they're very similar. That's the thing. I have this sorted by date. I see Hydra, but Sheikra was good. Goliath at Georgia is good. Patriot at Worlds of Fun is meh. Yeah, that ride sucked. Tatsu is great. Goliath at Laron is very good. Um, haven't been on Black Mamba, but that looks really good. Yeah, so actually looking at the list, so the, out of the ones that were kind of built near each other, or actually Silver Bullet, Hydra, and Patriot. So within those like two or three years were my least favorite B&Ms. Well, if you go to the next page, I see, you know, Behemoth at Canada's Wonderland, Diamondback, Manta, I haven't been on, uh, Intimidator, Carowinds. So whatever that year was, 08? That was 08, right? 08 was Behemoth, and then Diamondback was 09, Manta was 09, and Intimidator was 2010. Yeah, so that might that I would say that was probably a a sleeper era for them because I wasn't so like oh wait or do you want to go with oh four because I think they still really did some very forceful stuff after that but we could say that's when the decline started. I don't know. I think it's I don't. It's hard to say with a specific year. I just think that the mid two thousands just weren't a very exciting time for B and M in general. Well, let's see here. I'm looking lower on the list at stuff I've been on, like X-Flight at Great America. That's a really fun ride, but in terms of forces, not really up to like the B&Ms I was used to at that point. Yeah, right. So I'm going to take it back to the first page then. So Iron Wolf, I remember that being pretty forceful, although rough. Yeah, and that's their... Oh, nice. Yep, it's officially their first B&M. Yeah, I remember that being forceful, uh, a bit rough, but the, the forces were good. Mm-hmm. Isn't it kind of funny to think that B&M's first coasters were stand-ups? Like, for that really brief period that um, that gimmick was actually a thing that anyone was interested in? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, you can stand up on a ride. Okay. It's like, we just stood three hours in line. I'd do it on the ride. And some unfortunate people got those Togo stand-ups. Yeah, maybe that was just a big deal. You know, kind of like how every generation has their own weird obsessions with stuff. Oh my god, you can stand up on a coaster. It's one of the weirdest, like, gimmick coasters. Yeah. But, um, you know, that one's forceful. I see Vortex at Carowinds I've been on. That one's also forceful, but rough as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Of course, Batman the Ride. Yeah, it's, it's so looking at this lineup, it's just weird to see Iron Wolf, Patriot, Vortex as their first three, and then they then they built Batman, and that one was very successful. So good, good thing they figured that one out. Yeah, and I mean that probably went on to be their most successful model ever, because I doubt they've sold anything more any more design types than inverts because of the amount of Batman clones. Right. But it's such a good layout and it's, it's very intense to the point where now the ones that are manufactured, I think only come with seven cars per train. Yeah. Yeah. And that just proves to the intensity, you know, Kumba shit. That's a great ride. Yeah. Cause eventually they're like, you know, three years after building rides, like why don't we just build rides where you just sit down normally Let's see how this goes. Like just a regular roller coaster. 
and it kicks ass. <laughs> right, right. It's, I think Kumba is probably still one of my favorite B&Ms. That ride is great. Super forceful. The elements have a great flow, good pacing. It's really well-themed, like in the areas, mm-hmm. the landscaping and stuff, and it's picturesque. But for the for the argument here, or for the the topic at hand, very forceful all throughout. Yes. Yeah, because at the time, um, I know B&M's thing was all about simulating um, like fighter jet maneuvers. So it was always, it was about very being very kind of uh, abrupt and snappy and forceful, and uh, which is kind of different than what they're doing today. Yeah, I see um, another one standing out here. It's a uh, Raptor at Cedar Point. Yeah, same thing. Same thing for that one. Like those corkscrews, you can see it in the train when it goes through it, and even in the first loop, like the trains have that whip to them in some of the elements on those older inverts yeah definitely dragon con how was that dragon con was awesome it was um i would say it it it's with it goes along with my complaint about rmc being being repetitive um it felt like riding kumba with a few added um turns and elements but like just as forceful and everything. Yeah, just as forceful, and the elements were basically copy pasted from Kumba, so it felt exactly the same. But it was still a really good ride, really good ride. So better than Kumba? I I think I still like Kumba better just because of the um, of like the surrounding. For sure. When I rode Dragon Con. I also, it was only like my second day in Europe, so I was jet lagged and I was kind of drunk off a bunch of wine. So I was already having like a pretty shitty day. So that might have affected the overall experience. (laughs) Don't drink Spanish wine and then go ride Dragon Con is the lesson learned, apparently. Yeah, this was after like a wine, like a wine country tour and some like French dude drove us two hours into wine country in his little beat up car. We paid him 200 euro to drive us to wine country. And then he ended up getting us blasted in this little uh, shack, which was awesome. But then riding roller coasters after that was a little rough. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, dude, that's quite a story. Um, I see Mantis here. Mantis. Mantis is okay. I mean, the second half of it was Iron Wolf, basically. Yeah. It's it's better as a floorless coaster, though. I haven't ridden it as a floorless yet. I always enjoyed it, but it never really blew me away. Yeah. Well, I always felt that their, the ride was very different depending on what time of year. Um, so I didn't really know this, but B&Ms, and I guess roller coasters in general, they have different, uh, like polymer, like different polymer ratios in the wheels. Um, so it's like a polyurethane nylon combination. And I'm sure like some first semester engineering student will would love to correct me. I'm sure I'm getting something wrong. Um, but like the uh, they swap out wheel combinations depending on what time of year it is based on temperature. Um, and on for some reason, and so on Mantis, they kept the trim brake off until a certain day. 
Like, so basically they kept all the trim brakes off until it got warm enough in the season. And um, so if you rode Mantis on, if it was early in the season and the trim brakes weren't on and they had their running wheels that were meant for cold weather, you get a completely different ride experience because it was so fast and very forceful. Um, that was always like my favorite time to ride it was like early season. I mean, that sounds awesome, but it always bothered me how there was like a trim break on the first drop. Yeah, it's such a bad place for it, too. I see Montu. That's a great ride. Real forceful, good layout. Yep, Montu's another good one. Alpengeist. I really like Alpengeist. See, I thought I went into Alpengeist expecting Montu, and I was a little disappointed. Well, like, part of the appeal of Alpengeist, I think, is like the speed, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because it's also huge. Yeah, I want to say it's almost like 200 feet, right? It's like 195. It's like a big troll. Yep, 195. 170-foot drop. Damn, that's pretty big for an invert. Right? And it does six inversions, so I'm like, it's pretty good. I'll have to ride that one again. I always kind of forget about that ride. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, I haven't ridden it 15 years about, but I remember it being great. Chang at Kentucky Kingdom, uh, basically Mantis. Yeah. Yeah, Chain was smooth, but it wasn't. I guess when I rode, I only rode it at um, Kentucky Kingdom. I, I remember riding it and not even caring. I was just like, eh, that was cool, I guess. Yeah, I was like excited that it was a B&M, but it was like, yeah, it looks like it's just basically like Mantis. And it pretty much was. So, yeah, it's like, well, it at least didn't fuck up my balls. And that's all that counts. <laughs> right well yeah and i only rode it at kentucky kingdom too so at the time it basically had the came, the same color scheme as uh mantis as well yeah and then i see riddler's revenge i love that ride yeah that's a good ride it's uh it's funny too because it's so similar to the other stand-ups but uh for some reason that one it, there's something different about that one that makes it pretty good well i think the drop is better yeah I also like that airtime hill after the mid-course, or it's like after the corkscrew of the mid-course. There's that one pretty good uh, airtime hill, which I never understood why more stand-ups didn't have the airtime elements. Yeah, that was good. I also remember really liking how like after the mid-course break run, when it's doing those corkscrews and turns, it like goes around some theming. Yeah, yeah, the last uh, the last half of the ride goes into those trenches. Yeah, I always thought that was super cool. Yeah. Uh, Great Bear at Hershey Park. Okay, that one, it's not bad, but it's really like, kind of just like, yeah, it's a B&M. Yeah, it's almost like they, almost like they went to B&M not expecting what the price tag would be. So then they were like, oh, okay, well, let's let's just change a few things just to hit the budget. Kind of weird layout too, but it's it's unique. Um, I thought the first drop thing is kind of cool. There's also that really weird um, turn that has that support that's under you. Yeah, that support that's under you is pretty cool. That drop is so weird though because it's like you don't really get much speed doing like that helix. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, we're going around. Okay, now's the exciting part. It's like Hershey Park had to be special 
and they couldn't, you know, it's like they ha- they couldn't just get a standard BNM layout. They had to do their own thing. The first ever invert, the first and only with a helix into a drop, because this coaster proved that like that doesn't do anything for the inverted type of coaster. Yeah. Unless it's like super tall, then maybe. But it'd have to be really tall. When corporate was having a meeting about the layout, there's like some woman that's never been on a roller coaster, and she's like, it should like swish around at the top so you get a good view. Yeah, and then there's someone who's like, that's a really great idea. <laughs> and they submit it to B&M, and they're like, are you ch- sure you want to do that? <laughs> Shit, I can definitely see that happening. Though. They're like, yeah, just make it happen. Uh, Afterburn at Carowinds, awesome ride. That ride is great. Yeah, it's a good ride. Unfortunately, the last time I rode it, it was running much slower than I remember. But it was like off-season, so that's probably why. I remember really liking that ride and thinking it was really awesome. Yeah, it's like a a mini Montu. Yeah, I'd say it's probably one of my favorite inverts. Yeah, shit, going through these, this is basically like a rundown of some of my favorite inverts. Alpengeist, Montu... Afterburn, um, Apollo's Chariot. I really like that ride. I think that ride's great. I remember it being good, but it's also been so long that I I don't think I have a good opinion of it anymore. Well, I don't either because it it's yeah. Same time I went and rode Alpengeist. And it's like, well, it's like in, it's like that other episode we were talking about how it's in the Golden Tickets, and that's I thought it was kind of weird, but I guess I mean I can't can't be a bad ride. No, I mean. It's basically just an out and back layout with a little bit of interplay with uh, some of the terrain, you know. But it also has that like crazy triangular hill at the end. Oh yeah, it's like a weird. That's like kind of like a double down. But uh, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about it. It's very yeah, it's very distinct. Yeah, um, Medusa at Six Flags Great Adventure. I remember that being really good. Yeah, it's a good one. Very forceful. Good layout, exciting. Raging Bull. Um, great first drop. And yeah, good first drop. Oh, uh, the drop after the out of the mid course and that bunny hill are good too. Yeah, that, that's a good hill. Yeah, I would say those. <laughs> that's about it, but yeah. I, were, I wish the ride was better. It's not bad. It's just, uh, man, that one. So the, the, the trim break into the first bunny hill is so stupid. And then the uh, that one turn over the station is completely pointless. If they ran it without trims, it would be amazing. Yeah, remember um, when it, in like uh, early and late season when they only run two trains? If you get the first dispatch, you actually get to ride it trimless. No, I didn't remember that. I wonder if that's still a thing. Yeah, it's been probably like 10 years since I've done that, but I remember the last time I did it was probably 08. If you like run your ass off, you can be the first person on Raging Bull. You sit in the front row, you get to experience that one bunny hill without a trim break. And it's actually pretty good. How about the back row? Because I feel like that pullover would be sick. Or I've not, I've not, I haven't done back row first dispatch, um, but yeah, I bet that's I bet that's good too. Um, Incredible Hulk, awesome. Yeah, I'm glad they rebuilt it as is because it's kind of a old school B and M snappiness. Yeah, I wonder if the rebuild retained the, that or if they kind of smoothed it out. You know, 
Yeah, I haven't I haven't ridden the new one, but from what I hear, it's pretty one for one to the old one. Well, that's great because that was a great ride. That one was really forceful. Yeah, dueling dragons, both sides awesome. I liked I think the uh, ice side better than the fire side, but they were both really good. Whatever one had the uh, the bunny hill, that one was my favorite. I think that was the ice one. Okay, George's Scorcher. That one was probably my second favorite of the stand-ups. Yeah, Georgia Scorcher is good. And it's still, let's see, I rode that one three years ago, and it was still running really well. Hasn't aged at all. Yeah, that ride is awesome because it's just, like, it's small, but it packs a punch. Yeah, yeah. Again, it's like all these coasters, just forceful. Um, Superman Krypton Coaster, I haven't been on, but it looks awesome. Yeah, it's a good ride. Um, Medusa Discovery Kingdom, same thing. Haven't been on it, but I know it does that like other element instead of the cobra roll. Uh, what is it, like the sea serpent, which looks pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Dominator Chiaga Lake, that was really good. Haven't ridden it at King's Dominion, but I remember it being very good at um, Chiaga Lake. Kraken, that one's really good. It's weird. I didn't want to like Kraken. And then I wrote it. I really liked it. I wrote it. Um, I wrote it last year, and I wasn't expecting anything from it. I wrote in the front row, and yeah, I actually really liked it. I was very shocked. Yeah, that's a good ride. Um, Wildfire at Silver Dollar City. That one's really good. Yeah, I think the only thing weird about that ride is um, it feels kind of short. But it's still good. Yeah, it is pretty short because, like, I don't think it doesn't have a mid-course break run, if I'm not mistaken. No, it does. I think it only does like five elements, four elements. Yeah, I think it's four inversions, but it's good because of the way it goes in the woods and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Nitro, a great adventure. That one's really great. I like that one better than Apollo's Chariot for as best my memory can serve. Yeah, I remember it's. I wrote it. So I wrote Nitro two different times. One time was like um, what I think was pretty normal. And then the second time I wrote it, it was heavily trimmed and it was pretty lame. Almost no airtime whatsoever. Um, so I wonder if that one, like, I wonder how often that ride doesn't run well versus when it does. Is it. Um, that's a ride that I hear very mixed things on from other people. When I wrote it, it was not trimmed at all. And this is all going, you know, with my memory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When it's not trimmed, it's amazing. Um, Talon at Dorney. That's a that's a really great ride. Probably up there in my favorite inverts also. I think, yeah, I think Talon is my favorite invert. It's really good. Yeah. And it's very underrated. Not many people uh, really talk about it. I'm looking it up right now. Let's see. It's uh, 135 feet tall. Does four inversions. But if I'm not mistaken, this is another one of those ones that doesn't have a mid-course break run. So you just get all those four inversions in such a way that it's very intense. Yeah, Talon's great. Um. Yeah, I see Superman there. So that's like, and uh, 
air at Alton Towers. That's when they got the flyers was around that time. And those were all pretty forceful. The ones I've been on, most of them are Superman, but, um, you know, Tatsu. Yeah, Tatsu's definitely good. Manta was Manta was good for a flying coaster, but it's very, uh, I would say it's the least, less forceful than most of them. I also, oh my God, Manta, I hated riding that ride because, okay, so it's Florida. It's hot as fuck. It's humid as fuck. And you have all these people that are just sweating balls riding this ride. And if you think about the surface area of material that's touched, that's like touching you. So you get off the ride and you're somehow wet. And then you realize that it's basically just your own sweat mixed with all the other sweat from every other person that sat down in that seat. And it just, yeah, it's fucking disgusting. Uh. And it's Florida, so it's just an, another. There's always that extra layer of grossness, dude. That's gross. Yeah. And to make it worse, I was actually just thinking, like, well, the flying coasters is when they introduced that vest restraint system, that's now become pretty standard on all of their over-the-shoulder rides. So, like, that's kind of like even the roots of like when their rides started to get toned down. Right. Right. Because once they invented or you know installed that other kind of restraint with the vests then it was like that's the roots of it all right uh let's see silver bullet there we go that's what you were pinning it on and you know what i think i'll give it to you yeah it's like silver bullet comes out and it's so out of the ordinary for bnm i'm actually i have to go back on rcdb to look at the, the first drop because it's like a it's like a 40 degree drop yeah it's like a glide Wow, it does six inversions though. That's crazy. Oh, if you look at even if you look at the first, if you look at the picture of the first drop, it's like they went, they extended the turn even further out to make sure the drop wasn't steep. Yeah, that's kind of what it looks like, just to make sure that they had enough room to just like, yeah, it's like a glide. It's got that weird stingle dive on it too. Oh yeah, that's right. Which is it's a it's a fun element at least. Yeah, it's it's not that it's a bad ride, but it is very forceless. Hydra, you were saying, but I thought Hydra kicked some ass. So yeah, I thought I I definitely think Hydra was a good ride, but that's sort of like what I was saying with how uh, it's like B and M was always, they were always building these you know rides that were simulating like snappy jet fighter maneuvers and then they went into no limits and they over and they hit the smooth button like 50 times and then they put it through the heartliner a couple times and it's like they took out every bit of um you know snap that the rides had it's it's weird it's just it just looks really weird compared to what they were doing before yeah well like the list of the next things that they built well, Patriot's not so great, but Shikra, Goliath at over Georgia, Tatsu, Goliath at Laron. That was all 06, and those are all great rides. Patriot was the outlier that year, but like maybe Patriot is like sister coaster to Silver Bullet in a way. Well, yeah, I mean those are all um, those are all Cedar Fair parks. So maybe you know maybe they bought a. You know what I mean? They like bought them in like a bundle or something. Like Cedar Fair was like, 
we want B&Ms, but we don't want Raptor. We don't want Mantis. We don't want, you know, whatever we want. Family coasters, basically. Yeah. But man, Shikra, Goliath, Georgia, Tatsu and Goliath, Laronde, that's a that's a heck of a year right there. Now I'm seeing Behemoth, and I really liked Behemoth. I think yeah, Behemoth was more an issue with the train length than it was the the layout. I just, I just, I'm just not a fan of those trains. They're just way too long. I really like that ride, but I think it's definitely more of a front row ride. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I see Diamondback. I see Manta. <laughs> sweaty, sweaty Manta. Uh, Intimidator at Carowinds. And then a couple years later, yeah, I'm seeing like Wild Eagle and X Flight. And, you know, a year after that, Gatekeeper. And by this point, I'm thinking, you know, those wing coasters are fun for what they are, but there's definitely nothing happening force wise. Yeah, right. Like those are that's a ride that like you look at it and it's exactly it feels exactly how it looks like it will. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's not to say they're not cool, especially with the you know the the cutouts and everything. But it's definitely like even in their best elements, they don't have a lot of force. Right. Being in I'm just seeing mostly a lot of like flying coasters Dive coasters, you know, uh, Val Raven. I went on. I liked it, but I think I liked Shikra better. Well, Shikra, yeah, Shikra. I think the uh, the shorter or the more or not the uh, what am I trying to say? Like the the non ten row cars are better than the ten row cars. I gotta get on Shikra again. When I rode it it still had a floor on the cars like right before they changed it to a floorless model. But yeah, I think at that point when they had started mainly doing like these and I see the family inverted coaster, you know, they started doing mainly um, these design types, flying coasters, giga coasters, um, and the longer trains on the hypers they just needed those more spread out elements. So they just applied that to all of their rides going forward. Right. As far as like newer B&Ms, I am liking, I like the Leviathan. I like Mako. Um, I'm actually going to have to look up this list again. What's the, so what's like the newest B&M you've been on? Val Raven. Oh, okay. Man, there's a lot of these going in at China or in China. Yeah, but it looks like mainly they're um, either flying coasters, dive coasters. Those are like the biggest two models that are going into Asia, I think. Occasional floorless coaster. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Mako. So Mako is my most recent B&M built. And I, I really liked I really liked that ride. Does that have those really long trains on it or no? No, it's a short train. It's um seven. I want to say it's seven cars. Or it's like seven car. It's like a standard seven car train. Oh, it's seven. Interesting. And um and it has a couple it has a couple bunny hills that are really low to the ground that have 
I would say stronger than a floater airtime, which is pretty fun. Yeah, that that ride looks awesome. I mean, I did really like Val Raven, but I did think it was like odd at Cedar Point because like what it does is not really super unique from what some of their other rides do. Yeah. And also it's like, you know, that's got to require slightly more maintenance attention because of that drop chain. So like now dragsters down all the time. Yeah, right. All right. Well, B&M's. Well, I still like them, but the newer ones maybe uh, just going down from how they used to be. So it is time for us to pay tribute to a dead ride. Ben, this week it's your pick. What ride are we drinking for today? Uh, Shockwave at Six Flags Great America. Since with the news of Vortex, which is shit. Other than that, there's only Viper. Viper, or right? Viper's the last uh, Aero Mega Looper left. Yeah. Not exactly a uh, not exactly a favorite of coaster types, but definitely something nostalgic for coaster fanboys to complain about. When uh, when they're removed, so Shockwave was a great ride. Probably I was only twelve the last time that I rode it, um, but I remember it being a very forceful, very like fast paced, uh, huge roller coaster. And at the time, it was the biggest roller coaster at Great America. I miss. I think the thing I missed most is that it looked really good when you drove into the park. It was a really good as like an entrance centerpiece. Yeah, that was a good ride. I rode it when I was 13, so probably that same year, 2002, like before it got removed. And do you know the story of why that got removed and replaced by Superman instead of Wizard? So I heard about the wheel getting chucked through the seat and the car derailing during a test run. That is also what I've heard. Which, you know, is pretty terrifying to think about. Yeah, and it's a pretty good reason to want to remove a ride if you need to. So really, though, like I was thinking about this, do you think Superman would have actually been better where Wizard is? Probably. Yeah. Because cause if they kept as much of the trees and that pond and everything, then yeah, absolutely, because the flying aspect could have played with the land better. Right, right. I'm going to send you something to discuss real quick. Oh, is this the Superman layout? The original blueprint uh, for where Wizard was. Oh, for where it was in Wizard Spot? Oh, shit. That's cool. They kept the lake, and that actually would have been pretty cool, as long as they wouldn't have removed all those trees. But I guess it's Six Flags, so yeah, that would have been pretty cool right there. Yeah, right? The drop in the pretzel loop would have been like right by the midway, but probably even closer. And I feel like the first turn... After the pretzel loop would have been about where that ground hugging curve is. So it probably would have like played off of that nicely. Yeah. 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 So it looks like it would have been pretty cool. Yeah. I remember that campaign where it was like the wizard's going to get torn down and it was like public outcry, but really shockwave (laughs) had an accident. And yeah. Yeah. It's like, Hey, we can solve both issues in one resolution. Yep. Just they like just put it in RCT 
like the ride layout and just moved it over. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'll drink to Shockwave. Cheers to that. So uh, real quick before we wrap up here, I want to say send us questions and feedback and all that shit. It is your favorite coaster sucks at gmail.com. Send us your questions. Tell us that no, your favorite coaster sucks or whatever. We want to hear it. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Coaster Your or type in your favorite coaster sucks. Find us on Instagram, your favorite coaster sucks. We got a Facebook page. However, you are listening to this right now. Please subscribe or follow whatever platform you're on. Leave us a comment if you're able to leave us a rating. We would like it. And of course, we got a Patreon. So also real quick, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, I'm on my trip. Yeah. So I'll have a cool trip report next week. Yeah, so what's your whole trip itinerary? Yeah, okay, so Friday we're driving out to St. Louis. We're doing Six Flags St. Louis, and then we are going to Frontier City. Yeah, we're driving over to, like, Oklahoma after St. Louis, doing Frontier City in the morning real quick, and then going to Six Flags over Texas, staying near there that night, and then going back on Sunday, and then starting to drive back to Chicago. And then back home the rest of the way Monday. Nice. Yeah. So if you're listening to this the day it comes out, I am probably en route to Six Flags St. Louis. That'll be fun. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I don't have to ride the boss, but if my girl is uh, really wanting to get credits like she's talking about, then I might have to grin and bear it. Watch out for the bees. Right. Another callback to episode one. <laughs> They're brutal. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. And until next week, your, your favorite, favorite coaster, coaster sucks. sucks.